if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this uh, Thursday, the 28th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2021. If you were looking for Dr. Everett Piper, as we always have on Thursdays at this time, he is a little under the weather. As a matter of fact, he may have COVID. Told me yesterday, he said, eh, not really sure. Kind of hoping it is so I can get it over with. Uh, I kind of feel the same way once I got over it. Uh, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, even though you're going to have more and more of the nonsense from uh, Dr. Fauci and his crew trying to tell you, you know you still need to get a vaccine if you've already had it, and you know you still have to wear masks after you get the vaccine, and not just one but two. Yeah, Dr. Piper, uh, well, he'll be back with us and tell us how he's doing next Thursday at this time. So for this hour, uh, we are guest-free, and I welcome you to join us at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. But I do want to start with a little bit of um, yesterday's John Kerry, a uh, little free-for-all. John Kerry appearing yesterday with Biden talking about their new green energy plans in the ongoing battle to, uh, to uh, defeat climate change. Because, you see, human beings are going to be able to change the unstoppable force that is the impact of the global climate impacted by our own atmosphere and conditions of the sun and other forces that have forced climate change upon this planet throughout its existence. It has frozen and thawed and frozen and thawed numerous times in its existence, long before SUVs were pumping out carbon emissions, long before coal plants, long before oil rigs, oil wells were drilled and rigs were put up and refineries started. I mean, it's the most nonsensible thing in the history of, of humanity, in my, in my opinion. The idea that we can stop the planet from doing what it has always done, it has always changed on its own. That had nothing to do with the occupation of the planet by human beings. Having said all of that, John Kerry and Joe Biden say, we're going to make climate central to our foreign policy planning. And, he said, not only our foreign policy, but our national security. Listen to what this um, 
special presidential envoy for climate, John Kerry says. So that's why today, one week into the job, President Biden will sign this additional executive set of orders to help move us down the road, ensuring that ambitious uh, climate action is global in scope and scale, as well as uh, national here at home. Today, in the order that he will sign, that Gina has described to you, uh, he makes climate central to foreign policy planning, to diplomacy, and to national security preparedness. It creates new platforms to coordinate climate action across the federal agencies and departments sorely needed. If it's so sorely needed and if it's so glorious and so wonderful, why aren't you asking Congress to pass it? Why does this need to be done in an executive order? After all, Aren't executive orders wielded with such power as Joe Biden is right now only by dictators? Because according to Joe Biden, they are. Only dictators use executive authority rather than using the legislative approach. But this is exactly what John Kerry just described Joe Biden is doing, is using his dictatorial powers to make climate central to foreign policy planning. Now let's talk about why. Why do we need to burden American companies and corporations with massive carbon taxes, which are going to cut into their profits, raise their prices, and harm American consumers as well as American workers? Why should we do that at home? The uh, stakes... The stakes on climate change just simply couldn't be any higher than they are right now. Uh, it is existential. We use that word too easily. We throw it away. But uh, we have a big agenda in front of us on a global basis. And President Biden is deeply committed, totally seized by this issue, as you can tell by this executive order and, and by the other uh, the initiative of getting back into Paris immediately. That's why he rejoined the Paris Agreement so quickly, because he knows it is urgent. He also knows that Paris alone is not enough. Uh, not when almost 90% of all of the planet's emissions, global emissions, come from outside of U.S. borders. I want to make sure you heard that. John Kerry, the special envoy to the president on climate, just said... Of all of the planet's emissions, global emissions come from outside of U.S. borders. Sorry, we, we could go to zero... We, we missed that percent again there, if we could. Uh, let's see if we can get that part again. He also knows that Paris alone is not enough. Uh, not when almost 90% of all of the planet's emissions, global emissions, come from outside of U.S. borders. If 90% of the planet's global emissions come from outside of the U.S. borders, does that not sound like a global problem and an other country problem and not an American problem? And if it is indeed not an American problem, why does John Kerry and Joe Biden, why do they want to re-enter a, a, a climate accord, the Paris Climate Accords, that are unduly going to burden the United States of America. Going to cost us billions of dollars. Going to force us to to uh, to uh, uh, pay carbon taxes from all of our businesses. 
going to force plants to retrofit themselves to be more green so they don't emit as much carbon, again, costing billions of dollars collectively, when he just said that 90% of the problem is outside of the U.S. borders. Can somebody make sense of that to me? I'm, I'm trying. I can't get through that through my thick skull. And especially, I wonder why John Kerry did not mention that no less than the United Nations, no friend to the United States, by the way, the United Nations declared that America is already cutting so much carbon and did so in the four years of the Trump administration (laughs) without being in the climate accord, and it doesn't need to be. You understand that? The U.N., a couple of weeks ago, the U- no, I beg your pardon, it was last month, it was in December. I gave you the story a couple of weeks ago. The United Nations released its Emissions Gap Report 2020, an annual assessment of contributions to greenhouse gas and carbon emissions. It notes that the United States need not join the Paris Climate Accord because the evidence shows that the U.S. should just keep doing what it's doing to cut down emissions because we are the most successful major country at mitigating our own pollution in the world. This is the U.N. saying this. The two biggest polluters, carbon polluters in the world, are China and India, the two most populated countries on the planet. They may need some global pressure to up their game when it comes to climate emission or carbon emissions, if this is what they're so concerned about. They need to up their games, and the Paris Climate Accord should hold those countries accountable. But here's the real kick in the pants. The United States was forced, when we were in the Climate Accord, to cut our emissions by a certain amount, while China and India were given waivers. They were excluded from requirements of cutting their own climate emissions, or excuse me, I keep saying climate, carbon emissions, by a certain percentage as required by the Paris Climate Accords. They were given an exception. So the worst polluters don't have to cut polluting in the Paris Climate Accords. The country that is already cutting without being in the climate accords, has to cost hundreds of thousands of jobs to its workers and billions of dollars to its corporations and plants in order to make them more green. That's what this new administration is doing. And what about those jobs? What about those workers? What about those fossil fuel workers in the coal mines, natural gas industry, oil industry, at the refineries, at the rigs, what about all of them as John Kerry and Joe Biden move ever so swiftly into a quote-unquote radical Green New Deal advocated only by the most radical of left-wing socialists in government, advocated only by AOC and her squids, Bernie Sanders, the avowed socialist, and yes, Vice President Kamala Harris, who sponsored the Green New Deal legislation when she was in the Senate. What are all these workers supposed to do? It's not uh, adverse to working on this with the Obama administration. China was very key to helping to get the Paris Agreement to, to come together because the United States and China came together, worked together, put together an opportunity to have a working task force, and then we announced our reductions, and that gave great momentum 
uh, to the movement of Europe. Now, I Except think that China didn't do any reductions. China didn't have to. The formula may be different this year. We don't know yet. We're just getting in. But we have to have a lot of conversations with a lot of people, and that's what we're going to do. And you mentioned uh, during a press conference earlier that some of the fastest growing jobs before the pandemic were in clean energy and clean power. That speaks positively to young people who may be looking for jobs. But then what do you say to those who may be unemployed workers now? How do you get them into the mix? And how do you speak to the concerned oil and gas workers as well? We need to put them to work. We need to absolutely put them to work. We need to keep them in their communities where they live. We need to make sure that the factories are coming to those communities, whether it's a new electric car factory or it's making blades for windmills. or Does this Frankensteinian moron not understand that making electric car batteries is far more damaging to the environment that he is supposedly trying to protect than drilling for oil is. Does this monster not understand that those wind turbines that they're talking about, they never, ever decompose? There are pictures which you can find online of wind turbine landfills with these blades of these wind turbines laying there that will be laying there polluting for eons to come because they do not decompose and they are not recyclable. You understand that? But this is what he says. And, oh, by the way, we're going to make these people work. We're going to take plants and build car battery plants and wind turbine plants in the places where these people live. Let's listen to the rest of that. Turbines or whatever. We have great need for people to work in this field, and and it's critical. I've had I've had conversations with some of my friends involved in this about how we could create some demonstration projects in those communities. Okay, let's just say for the sake of discussion, and I know we have a break coming here, but let's just say for the sake of discussion that they did want to build an electric car battery plant near. Uh, you know, a community in West Virginia where coal mining is the dominant industry. Or they wanted to build a wind turbine processing or manufacturing plant in Texas where the oil industry is so, so uh, powerful. Let's suppose they wanted to do that. And then they wanted to transition those workers who used to dig for coal or used to dig wells or used to work in refineries and put them in these plants. How long do you think it's going to take to build a car battery plant? How long do you think it's going to take to build it and then get it up, functioning, and operational? And by the way, while it is being built, digging for the materials in Mother Earth in order to build those batteries. How long do you think that's going to take and how much damage is that going to do to the planet? And what are these workers supposed to do, Frankenstein, for the years that it's going to take to get all of those things ready? Are you going to put them on unemployment? These people are making seventy-five, eighty-five, depending on overtime, ninety-five, one hundred and five thousand dollars a year working in the fossil fuel industry. You think they're going to be able to survive with their families on three hundred dollars a month of unemployment? This administration is off to the worst start in the history of the United States. It is killing jobs. It is killing the economy. It is killing people. And they 
show no signs of stopping. And we'll be right back. Okay, 1027, the Bob France Authority, continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's go to uh, Richfield. Derek, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. Um, so I just want to point, point out how this entire climate change uh, argument is it's just another example of these activists, how they pick and choose science to fit their arguments. Uh, photosynthesis, for example, is science, you know, the process by which plants take carbon dioxide to produce oxygen. Uh, you Commercial greenhouses, for instance, they use carbon dioxide generators to increase plant production. Amazing how that is always forgotten or left out by the, by the party of science. Um, and I want to say, oh, you're right, you know, um, solar and wind power requires more land. That's more destruction to the environment. And really see this entire thing is just more talk empty promises they'll never deliver on with these green jobs and i think despite the pretext whatever they say the whole i think the whole idea is about deindustrializing the united states and to kill manufacturing well yeah and and why would they want to kill manufacturing in the united states uh you know and it's a rhetorical question because the answer is they're globalists they do not want the united states to stand on their own because there in my opinion derek and i don't know how you feel about it there is a uh there is a i hate to use the word cabal because then i sound like a q uh, you know QAnon and uh, conspiracy theorist but there is a, a a cabal of globalists who essentially um want there to be one world government they do not want the united states right. standing on top of anyone else no matter whether you know from the from our perch atop the world economically and atop the world militarily we are the nation that has done the most good and continues to do so it does not matter to them the only way they can get global consolidated power is to make sure the united states is not independent exactly exactly and you know it's amazing even okay so joe biden there are thousands of thousands of jobs already already cut from just the keystone pipeline being uh, taken out and but they're never going but they're never going to say that i mean people can learn for themselves what's happening but they're never going to admit that they're killing jobs and that they're always going to tell you how how good it is for you it's just incredible Right, right. They're killing jobs, and and you know the other part. And thanks for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. The other part of this that they they don't talk about. You mentioned the amount of land space needed, for example, to have wind farms and for solar farms, etc. Uh, you're right. It, it's going to take up untold numbers of square miles if they want to use it to power cities to the level that they say they want to. Uh, in addition to that part of the effect on the environment on the planet, again talking about digging talking about mining Mother Earth for things rather than natural gas or oil or coal, but for other ingredients like cobalt that are that are uh, the essential uh, materials used in creating electric car batteries. Uh, they think we're not going to have to dig into the earth anymore because we're getting rid of coal and, 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 uh, and, and oil. It's, it's a complete lie, and they have no intention whatsoever of telling you the truth about what goes into mining for those, uh, for those materials for electric car batteries, including child slave labor. Child slave labor. Look into it. 
We'll talk about. I'll probably talk more about that during the Prager Show today. I'll be hosting for Dennis Prager coming up after uh, noon. Uh, let's get news now and get to more of your calls right after this. I mean, I think that two or three things that Trump did that were the most effective in terms of causing the booming economy we saw was, number one, the deregulation. Number two, the tax rate reductions on American businesses. And number three was the drive to make America energy independent. We did all three of those things. And isn't it interesting? Biden is reversing every single one of those three policies. And, you know, we we twisted the dials towards growth. And what Biden is doing is twisting them back in the opposite direction. And usually when that happens, you get the opposite results. And that is exactly what we are getting by way of these executive orders by Joe Biden. 37 of them in six days. More coming today on health care. And this is incredible. That was Steve Moore, former Trump economic advisor. He joined me earlier on in the program talking about uh, everything, you know, the three most important things that President Trump did to get our economy humming along at record rates. Um, are three things that the Biden administration has has uh, has stopped. And like I said to Steve Moore, I know new presidents are going to come in with their own ideas, but usually they come in with their own ideas to fix things that aren't broken, to fix things in a way that they believe they should be. Things that are working, you don't stop. The border wall is working, you don't stop its construction. Businesses were growing and expanding before COVID, you don't stop and change the conditions that led them to expand and grow and more jobs to be uh, to be created. So why would the Biden administration undo those three most important things the Trump administration did for the economy? And the answer, according to Steve Moore. In the Biden administration, there is very severe um, Trump derangement syndrome. So even when Trump did things, you know, and look, not everything that Trump did was great. You know, he made mis- some mistakes, too. But the fundamental thing is that they are so deranged by their hatred of trump that anything that he did they want to reverse even as you said even if even it if it works policy right right so uh again that was steve moore if you want to react to that two one six nine zero one zero nine four five, and i'll go right to the phone calls again here but just to hit one other thing here because john Kerry says that they're making climate central to the foreign policy planning and and uh to uh uh, to their uh, national security planning and to uh, jobs and so forth. They're making climate because science says that our climate, uh, climate change is a grave threat to the people of the United States. Climate, the climate is, is, our, is our biggest threat, according to the science. The same administration, the Biden, Biden administration, says they're using science now to attack the COVID-19 problem. Science is back. Dr. Fauci even said, now the science takes over. Joe Biden said, now the science is back. In other words, the Trump administration ignored science. We are letting science dictate our policy now. So that's why we have new orders. And by the way, what is the science in their COVID-19 plans? Do exactly what Trump was doing, but double it. <laughs> Meaning, well, what did Trump, what, what, what were the four key elements of the COVID-19 uh, attack plan from the COVID task force under President Trump? One, increased testing. Two, social distancing. Three, masking. Four, uh, limited lockdowns if necessary. And this is what was done all over the country, sometimes without the president's approval, by the way, but okay. And what does Biden come into now that science is leading the way? 
What does Biden say? Um, more testing, even more than before. Oh, I'm sorry, the other one was vaccine at the end. More testing, even than before. And masking? Well, one mask didn't seem to do the job. Let's wear two. Let's double it. What's next? What's next, Dr. Joe? Are you going to go to 12 feet, too, instead of 6 feet for social distancing? Well, we tried one mask and 6 feet, and we're still having cases like crazy. So what do you say we go to two masks and 12 feet? And what the hell? Well, you know, Fauci said that it's only common sense that two masks are better than one. Well, common sense would also say that three layers over your face would be better than two. And 18 feet would be better than 12, which is, of course, better than six. This is the science that they're relying on. These are the scientists. And by the way, this man, Joe Biden, who's telling us that science has returned to lead the way and to save the day, is also the man who believes that there are more than two genders. Despite science, anatomical science, biological science, chromosomal science, all stating the contrary, that there are just two genders. This man says he's embracing science. Follow the science on climate. Follow the science on COVID. Ignore science when it tells you that there are boys and that there are girls. And that boys are biologically advantaged over girls when it comes to physical performance. And yet this man says, ignore science. Make girls compete against the boys anyway. It's just incredible. It really is. Okay, Avon next. Cheryl, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting, Cheryl. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um I, I was wondering about the uh, the energy jobs uh, that have been cut, and the first thing I wonder, um, I tend to wonder who's going to benefit from this. <clears throat> and the old the old saying about follow the money. Well, you know, um, I think it's interesting that um, I wonder what kind of campaign promises that not Joe Biden, but that Hunter Biden has made to some of the companies or the countries that um, he's been doing business with over the years um, with regard to oil production, because the people that get hurt the most by this um, are people in the United States when, or, or I'm sorry, um, the people that get hurt the most are the people that, uh, the foreign countries that we bought oil from uh, before we became independent. So now that we're independent, um, those foreign countries are being hurt by not being able to sell their product to the United States. Well, um, you're, you're right about who is being hurt the most, and you're also right to question what kinds of promises were made uh, by perhaps Hunter Biden working in concert. And this is the part of this that not a lot of people talk about, Cheryl. Uh, Hunter Biden is no longer on his own when we talk about, for example, uh, what he did in taking that job, that no-show job with uh, Burisma, the uh, uh, energy company in Ukraine. Uh, that was pretty much just up to him as we understand it, but the evidence that was found on Hunter Biden's own laptop about China and his ties with Chinese uh, communist Chinese firms um, that evidence in, implicated not just himself but his uncle Jim and of course 
his uh, father, Joe Biden. So all of them, one would have to say, uh, have some intricate connections that deserve a full federal investigation, probably a special prosecutor, to determine what did they promise? What did they promise some of these foreign countries? Because what you just said is right. Um, the components of wind turbines, wind turbines or turbines, depending on how you like to say it, the components of electric car batteries and the like solar panels are being made in China. They're being made in foreign countries to which we may have or with which we may have made some kind of a deal that we are going to convert America from fossil fuels to renewables and the components for the renewables are going to be made in your country. You're going to get rich. All we're asking for is whatever it is they got. Uh, and they did enrich themselves from the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, it's a very good point when you ask, why are we mo- pushing this way? Who's going to be hurt? American um, energy workers and who is going to benefit the most? Not American workers, uh, but actually foreign countries and especially China. All right, Cheryl, anything else? Nope, that's it. Thank you, Bob. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you for the call, Cheryl. I appreciate that. 216-901-0945. And, and by the way, this isn't even new. The one thing that one might ask further into that is, you know, what kinds of campaign contributions and donations did individuals who who stand to benefit the most from a green energy flip away from fossil fuel energy, uh, you know, again, which has made us energy independent for the first time in American history, uh, meaning uh, a net exporter as opposed to a net importer, uh, what kind of promises were made? Because one doesn't have to go back very far. One must look only in uh, 2009 to Barack Obama and Solyndra. Barack Obama engineered a $535 million loan to Solyndra, which was a solar energy company. Remember the solar, solar pan, uh, panel manufacturing, man, man, manufacturer, excuse me. Uh, within two years, in 2011, Solyndra was done, shut down. 1,100 people out of work. Taxpayers on the hook for the $535 million in federal loans that were made. So that's bad enough on its own. But what later we find out is, under scrutiny, the deal that the federal government, Obama administration, made with Solyndra, scrutiny from independent government watchdogs and members of Congress, which found that the administration bypassed key taxpayer protections in a rush to approve those funds, in part because of what Solyndra gave to the Obama campaign. So what are we talking about here? We're, we're talking about essentially pay to play. You pay us enough, and we're going to put your industry at the front of the line. And now it's even crossing international borders. Because, again, look at where most of those components are made for these uh, you know, wind turbine, car batteries, solar panels, and so forth they're talking about. They're not being made in the United States. And even if they are, as I talked about a couple of segments ago, as John Kerry said, we need to build these factories to make these things in the in the hometowns and in the communities of the people who are now working in the uh, fossil fuel industry and hire them to work in that industry. That would take years, and it would also make the price of all of those things completely um, uh, outsized for the the American consumer. Buying an electric car, if everything is done in the United States, buying an electric car will be impossible for the average family. Impossible. Not to mention impractical because of the limitations of battery chargers. You're going to have to have battery stations on every exit ramp, on every highway and interstate in America, the way you have gas stations now. And people are going to have to sit there for an hour while their battery charges. I mean, it's just, it's not only impractical, it is impossible. 
And this is what they are pushing us toward. Why? Personal power and wealth. Let's go to uh, Bay Village. Diane, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Diane, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, I think what Lurch doesn't really understand or get, even if you build solar panels or wind turbines or the plants to manufacture this stuff in, it takes petroleum. You need to have the fossil fuel industry and by shutting it down, it's going to take that much longer to even build anything, which is ridiculous in the first place to even build anything like that. Um, Th- thousand percent right. That is exactly right. They act like petroleum is no longer going to be needed to power right. even those plants. You know, people don't realize uh, an electric car uh, battery plant, for example, like the ones that exist now, what are they powered by? These are coal-powered plants, for crying out loud. So, And, and yes, petroleum as well in order to uh, to um, uh, make the uh, the turbines, uh, you know, spin. I mean, they turn them on and off with the light switch that is not created by the wind. The wind saves the electricity. And we know the way the whole science of this goes to the extent that we need to. But yes, you're a thousand percent right. Fossil fuels are still a part of the game. You need it for everything. Whether you have a plastic milk jug for milk, that takes a petroleum (laughs) product. That's a fossil fuel. I mean, that's a great. Well, plastics, just in general. People don't realize, most people don't know what you just said, Diane, and thank you for the phone call that plastics. Our lives are surrounded by and functioning on plastics of all types, flexible plastics, rubberized plastics, stretchy plastics, hard plastics. Your car is made of plastic. Your phone is made of plastic. And virtually everything you have and that you use is made of plastic. And how are plastics made? With petroleum. They want to stop us from drilling for oil, stop us from uh, the oil industry from being, you know, uh, prevalent in the United States uh, economy and in our society. You literally will take away everything that we have. I mean, I, I had a list at one time, and I could probably find it again in the break, of some of the things, some of the thousands of things that are created using or that are built or manufactured using plastics and all of them using plastics that rely upon petroleum to build. Uh, it, it'll blow you away. It'll blow you away, the things that we, uh, we, would have to, we, ha- we would have to give up if we were to totally bring about a Green New Deal and eliminate the need for, quote-unquote, fossil fuels um, in our society. I'll talk about that maybe, and maybe I'll find that list during the break here. We'll come right back after this. Okay, it's 10.53. We'll get a few more phone calls in. If you don't get on today, by the way, or I should say, if you don't get on during this program, uh, stick with me. I'll be hosting the Dennis Prager Show today from noon to 3. Now, you'll have Charlie Kirk on the air live here at noon, as you know, uh, and Prager from 1 to 3. But then it's a show uh, blast nationwide, so you can listen uh, however you want uh, at uh, at noon. And I'll be hosting for Dennis Prager. Patrick Wood, by the way, Citizens for Free Speech, will join me on the Prager Show. I just got a message real fast, uh, a text message made another great point about this energy insanity from my friend Charlie, who says, Bob, the electrical grid can't handle 100,000 people running their air conditioners. 
What's going to happen when 3 million people plug in their electric cars after they all get home at the same time? Oh, my gosh. Spot on. (laughs) California has to have rolling blackouts. They literally shut down the energy, the power, to various parts of the state on a rolling basis. For example, from 1 to 4, you know, Northern California is going to be out without power. Then theirs will come on, if from and from 4 to 7, uh, you know, central part of California. And, on uh, you know, it's rolling blackouts because in the summertime, they can't handle exactly what he just said. All of the air conditioners running at the same time. What are they going to do? How many people live in California? What's the population of California? I don't know how many million it is. I think there's 7 or 8 million people in New York, and there's got to be 6 or 7 million to live in L.A. alone, plus San Francisco. So you're talking tens of millions of people who aren't going to be allowed to have internal combustion engines anymore, i.e. cars and trucks, and they're all going to have electric cars. And, yes, they're all going to have to be charged. I was talking about just the inconvenience of trying to go on a five-hour road trip. How many times are you going to have to stop and turn that into a seven- or eight-hour trip because you've got to stop and sit for an hour while your car charges at the off-ramp the way we can normally fill our gas tanks in three minutes? Forget about that part, just generally keeping them charged at home when everybody has one. What's the electrical grid going to have to look like to make that happen? You're going to have rolling electric car blackouts. And nobody in the press, nobody in the press corps will ask John Kerry about things like that, or Joe Biden, or Kami Harris. None of them. Dave in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Bob, how are you? Good, sir. I I just have, uh, I'll try to be brief. I just have uh, a theory. I want to see what you think about this. Um, Right before the president's election, Pelosi came back out with the 25th Amendment, and we all believe it's wasn't aimed towards president trump it was probably aimed towards getting rid of biden eventually because i think they want kamala so i was wondering if maybe all these executive orders that are being rammed down our throats is because i think they think joe doesn't have much time left and if he gets all these executive orders in place then nobody can blame kamala when they're already there well, I, I, that's a possibility, Dave. I was talking a little bit about this yesterday. The other possibility is Joe Biden knows what their plan is to get rid of him, and so he is basically going to say, you don't have to. Look, I'm just like Kamala. I'm ramming every Green New Deal and every radical progressive socialist uh, policy that you can ever imagine. I'm ramming it through in my first week in office. See, look, I can be Kamala, too. I'm just like Kamala. Look at me. You don't have to replace me. I'll do it. I'll do what you want. I think this is Joe Biden trying to save his own butt from his own party by saying I will be as radical as you want me to be. That's what I think. Well, that, that's true. That, that too, that too. So, yeah. Or either way, we're in trouble. No matter, no matter who's signing the yeah. orders, whether it's Kamala or Joe Biden, the orders are just as destructive. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate the call, brother. Uh, let me go to Lakewood and Don. You're on the air. Don, go ahead, sir. Yes. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, very quickly, climate change is positioned by the left as an ultimate goal. And this has been stated before by other conservative commentators, I believe. Climate change is positioned as a, a method by which the Earth can be saved. Now, that's an undeniable truth. Anyone who opposes that is automatically labeled as hating the Earth. And, I mean, this method has been used by despot dictators and, and, and uh, those that control masses for, for, for decades, for eons, as a matter of fact. When you control people's emotions, you control them, period. All persuasion is made on an emotional basis. And that's what the progressive left, that's what the progressive left 
are masters at. They control people via their emotions. Rationality be damned. Critical thinking be damned. And when you have got climate change as an ultimate goal, you can't, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how many, uh, you know, turbine blades are decomposing or not decomposing or how much money it's going to take to uh, build battery plants to reemploy people. None of that matters because they've got a religious fervor over this goal. And it's been instilled in them over time, gradually, certainly in the last four years. And you uh, are, uh, I've, I've got, I've got, to, I've got to cut you short here, but uh, you're spot on, Don. And as evidence of that, of how they use emotion to control the people, why do you think they trotted up that ignorant fourteen year, fourteen year old girl, uh, Greta, uh, whatever her name was, talking about how uh, how her her world is is destroyed because she's never going to be able to grow old because the planet's going to die. They trotted that little uneducated girl who dropped out of school so she can have nightmares about uh, about. Um, uh, fossil fuels in order to pull at the heartstrings and the emotions of people. You're right. I'm done for now, but I'll be back hosting the Prager Show.